Welcome to another episode of Travel Royally Podcast. We're thrilled that you could join us. And today we have two great guests. We've got Craig Morris, Craig Morrison, excuse me, and Mike Atkinson. And they are the authors of a wonderful new book called Golfland Scotland. And unfortunately, guys, I don't have my copy in front of in front of me, but I did, I know that I bought or I, I am buying a bunch more. There, he's got a copy. Thanks, Mike. We're going to get copies uh, for our clients. We're going to give them to our clients as gifts when they return from Scotland. So we're thrilled to be able to do that. So guys, welcome. We're glad you're here. Thank you very much. Thanks for, thanks for having us. It's good to see both of you. I understand that everything's nice in Somerset. How's everything in Edinburgh? It, it's been a little bit of, of a duller day today. So I, I started my day breakfast overlooking the old course in Rusak's Hotel in St Andrews. I was having breakfast with David Cannon, who's the uh, great photographer, uh, world famous photographer who uh, produced the photography for Golfland Scotland. So I, I had breakfast with him, but it was uh, it was a little bit overcast and he was playing on the old course just uh, after we were having breakfast. And he was a little bit worried that he was going to have to layer up, which is what you have to do in Scotland is be prepared for any kind of weather, whatever time of year it is. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, the work that they've done on Russacks is amazing, isn't it? What a beautiful oh. facility. Um, absolutely, absolutely stunning. It, it, it's really beautiful. And, and they've done the same at North Berwick and in, in the hotel in Troon, really magnificent golf courses now. And, and they've, uh, Russacks has got this fantastic restaurant and terrace right at the top level now they've built a whole new section of the hotel where there used to be the old car park and and the views are absolutely magnificent over the rna clubhouse the old course across west sands beach it's a, it's a magnificent location well they've i agree with you and they've created really three great restaurants there you've got the one under down below which is a great 19th hole they've got the I forget the name of the, the restaurant that, that sits basically on the main floor. And then you've got that top level, which is a wonderful spot for dinner as well. I understand they have wonderful steaks. So they, they, they do. They do. I've, I've had the pleasure of tasting some of the steaks and had, had dinner there relatively recently. It, it really fantastic place. What they've done to it is, is great. I think it'll be a popular location as we approach the 150th open. Yeah, and they've added a lot of rooms there as well to the property. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the conversion of the car park into another half. They, they've probably doubled the size of the hotel. Yeah. It, it, it's, but it, you couldn't ask for a better location. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, I was there. I met uh, Seamus Cohn there, the general manager. And um, yeah, he was wonderful. Bought us drinks down in the one under we were there for the grand opening or you know it was really a soft opening uh, and we got the tour and the the restaurant upstairs wasn't open yet but the rooms are magnificent they they've got wonderful balconies they've got a putting green on one of them you know artificial putting green yeah that's lovely. magnificent mm. so craig chime in anytime you're ready i'm just kidding so um <laughs> Uh, hey, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, when you're not writing uh, wonderful golf books, what do you guys do for a living? Um, I'm a communications consultant. 
so the whole media marketing mix, I guess, uh, identify most as a PR fixer, right? Quite old school, fixing stories for people, increasing fame for them, organizing uh, coverage in newspapers and on TV, that kind of thing. Excellent. And Mike? Well, I work in consumer brand investment um, and, and then when I'm not doing the day job, occasionally dabble in writing, including on on topics such as golf and Golfland. But that that what Craig does is very much how we met in terms of work that that I used to do and met Craig through a lot of the PR work that he was that he was doing. So that that's one one of the ways we came together. Excellent. And you're both Scottish, though, correct? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I live in southwest England these days, but yeah, I'm a Scotsman. I'm from Greenock uh, in the west coast on the River Clyde. Uh, and I grew up there beside Greenock Golf Club. I could hear people playing off the fourth tee through my childhood and maybe at about the age of 12, decided to give it a go myself. Excellent. I, 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 I mean, I live in Edinburgh now, but I was also from the the west coast i was born and grew up in glasgow as you can tell from my strong glaswegian accent <laughs> yes yeah, so the question is uh celtic or rangers for both of you <laughs> it's, it's a question you never answer um in in, in public <laughs> too, so, too, focused on golf, too focused on golf to uh, to know anything about the football but the scottish national team you both support right sure Sure. Um, yeah, the Scottish national team, they've got it tough at the moment. They've got a World Cup qualifier coming up and it's against Ukraine. So almost the whole world, for obvious reasons, has got great sympathy with Ukraine and will be supporting them. So Scotland, you know, we're sort of hoping that we're going to be the bad guys on the night. It's terrible. Next week, I think. Yeah, I'll have to watch that. I, I saw them play a friendly against Brazil at the Emirates, maybe fifth, 12 years ago, maybe. Yeah, I was, I was there. Neymar scored in the second exactly. half. You were there. Yeah, I was there. Hey. What a wonderful match. And what a beautiful facility. It was great. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Sunny afternoon. Do you remember that so well, Craig? Because we score so few goals that it's ingrained in your in your mind, the, the goals that were scored. It was a 2-1 scoreline, and I just remember it because it was a really hot day, and there was obviously, there was quite a big Brazilian population, I guess, in London, and they all turned out, and it was quite a carnival atmosphere. Exactly. Scotsman and beautiful, dancing Brazilian people. It was wonderful. That's my memory, exactly. It was amazing. It was a clash of cultures, but in a good way. I mean, they got along well, and it was very, it was very fun. Yeah. That's cool. So you're both from the west coast of Scotland. How did you both come to golf? It sounds, Craig, like you live, grew up alongside of a golf course. Grew up alongside of a golf course and, you know, friends were slowly getting into it. And I think my dad started taking me to the driving range beside Glasgow airports where I imagined that you could hit the incoming planes. Never could, but that got me going. Excellent. Mike? Yeah. Well, I, I think I got my first set of golf clubs in, in a summer from my grandfather. And I, I, I still remember hitting my first golf shots in his garden. And even at that young age, I was less than 10, getting terribly frustrated that they didn't go in a straight line or, or where I wanted to, to hit them. Um, and, but then I suppose moving from 
moving from garden to golf course was really with my my dad so as a as a teenager i played with him at a golf course um that, that's on the the route out of glasgow to the ayrshire coast called eastwood golf club and sadly sadly no more it's one of the scottish golf courses that is a, is a deeply historic golf course it was founded back in the 1890s but is is one of the ones that has suffered over the last few years and i think during the time of writing Golfland. Um, I, I think closed down, unfortunately. So, it, so it is no more. But I, I, as a teenager, it was my it was my dad who I spent most of my time learning my golf from and playing my golf with. Well, so now today, how often do the two of you get to play? Hmm. I, I don't know. Um, varies. It depends on. Uh, I don't know. Perhaps working on a book. You know, in the past, I've researched books and maybe had you know, unimaginable years where I played 50 or 70 games of golf. Do you know what? Maybe, maybe on average, it's once every two weeks. It's 25 games a year. I'd take that. I'd take that. Yeah. Maybe a little, a little yeah. bit more in recent times because of golf land. I, I, I think Craig plays quite a lot I, because I often phone Craig and he doesn't pick up and then the message comes <laughs> through. I'm on, I'm on the golf course. So I, I, I think Craig gets to play more than, more than he lets on. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, it, it, it's. I, I think for both of us, it, it's not, probably not as much as we would like to, as is the case for many people. But golf has to fit in around work commitments and family life and and that kind of thing. So not, not as often as as I would like. But I, I've got I've got two uh, young young boys and uh, ten, 10 and eight two sons. And the nice thing about them is that they're both now starting to get into golf. And um, my wife is also a, a great golfer as well. So I'm looking forward to family four balls on golfing holidays in, in, in the future. So I'm hoping that if they gain a love of the game like we have, uh, the future will be spent on many golf courses. Excellent. There's nothing better than playing with your children. And in my case, I remember the first time, well, not the first time, but several times I was able to play with my dad and my son. So three generations on the golf course kind of passed down from one to the other. That was brilliant. So are you guys uh, members a, of clubs? Yes, yes. So I'm, I play I play at Gullen, um, and I am also a member of Boat of Garson Golf Club up, up near Abbeymore, uh, which is a beautiful golf course up in, up in the Highlands. And, and Gullen, number one, number two, number three, I, I don't know whether you've played those courses, Jeff, but three really magnificent golf courses. I'm very fortunate to be a member there. Yeah, unfortunately, well, fortunately, I played Gullen One a couple of times. I used, I love taking people to the museum. Yeah. Uh, when Archie Baird was there, and now Jillian and David Kirkwood have it. It's just amazing, and um, yeah, I love Gullen. I, I, I do need to play the other courses there. How about you, Craig? Are you a member of a club? No, sad to say, sad to say I'm itinerant. I've not been a member of a club since I was 21. Um, that was Royal Aberdeen, uh, but that feels like a long time ago. I moved to England, but, you know, I got into golf writing and golf publishing so that I could go and play lots of interesting golf courses. So there's no, there's no shortage. But no, I'm not a member anywhere. I'd like to be. Well, there are worse places to call your home course than... Royal Aberdeen, Gullen, or Boat of Garden, right? Those are three spectacular places to play. 
Yeah, very very fortunate. Well, Jeff, how did, how did you learn the game? Was that was that from your father, and and then passed on to your son? Yeah, my my father was a golfer. It's a funny. Well, my father grew up poor. He was the oldest of eight kids, and uh, when he was twelve. Well, actually, earlier than that, he had to go out and make money to help support the family. So he he um, sold newspapers and then he became a caddy around the time he was 12 at a club in Cincinnati called Makatiwa that was designed by Donald Ross. Ah. And it's a it's a wonderful old golf course. Obviously, now it's over 100 years old and it's. Um, I, I called up the professional there and in the States, you can't just call up and say, Hey, I want to play your course. They'll only let you on typically if you're a member of another club. So I was a member of a club and I called them and they, and I said, I'd like to take my dad and his best friend there for their 60th birthday or no 65th birthday. So we went and my dad hadn't been there in over 50 years. Right. And he said, it's exactly the same. And uh, when we when I took him to Scotland 25 years ago, uh, actually, that was for his 60th birthday. We played at Dornock yeah. and St. Andrews, which were both big influences upon Donald Ross. And it was it was kind of for me kind of coming full circle. I mean, if you think about it, had Donald Ross not emigrated to the U.S., and built that golf club, my father wouldn't have had a job. I wouldn't have, I likely wouldn't have learned how to play golf. I likely wouldn't have gone back to Scotland. I wouldn't have sought out Dornock. I mean, it was amazing. It's the, the, uh, the connections there, six degrees of separation, if you will. Right. Interesting. That's, that's, a, that's a nice story. Worthy of, worthy of a book, perhaps, you know, sort of, uh, family history and golf course architecture and you know I can I can see it. it's quite it's quite romantic the way all golf courses worldwide are an approximation of those early golf courses in Scotland and the way Donald Ross having learned from old Tom brought them to America I think uh, okay I think you should do that for us well I'll tell you I'll tell you what I appreciate that but think about Stuart Maiden Emigrated from Carnoustie to um, Atlanta. He was the head professional at Eastlake Golf, Golf Club, which is where, and he taught Bobby Jones how to play golf. Mm. So beyond the Scots inventing the game or, uh, you know, certainly modernizing it, making it a long game instead of a short game, like in the Netherlands, um, the impact that you guys have had on the sport is phenomenal in the U.S. Architecture, professionals, it's, you know, there's a legacy there, a lineage that's hard to ignore. So oh, I, 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 absolutely. And I, I think that's why Scotland is for many a, a pilgrimage in terms of their golfing experience. And we, we touched on that a little bit in the book, we, at, at the end right. of the book. Once we've been through the golf courses, we, we look at we've got a little bit on Donald Ross and and Alistair McKenzie and and these kind of individuals who who were all inspired by the the golf courses that they grew up on in Scotland. And then they 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 went throughout the world uh, 
designing and creating what are some now some of the most celebrated golf courses all, all around the world. Um, yeah, I want you to think about this. This is interesting. So you guys did a book where you covered all the courses in Scotland, over 600, 674, I think. Is that the number? It's no. No, no. no. Well, if we've missed out about 125, which could well be the case. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it, it's around 600. It, it, I think we got to about 550, Craig. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what? No, that's okay. No, it's, it's interesting you bring it up. Um, yeah, you, you've, you've been talking, Jeff, to a guy who has played every golf course in Scotland, haven't you? Um, right. He's, he's done it over 20 years. The numbers have actually dropped significantly. Um, we've, we've come up with five, four, nine. We have established that we've missed a couple of private courses, but um, you know we'll get there. We'll get there with the second edition. But anyway, well, yes. I want you to think about this. So the Scottish game of golf comes to the U.S. today. There are sixteen hundred courses in Florida, right? Three times as many are as in Scotland, and there are sixteen thousand golf clubs in the United States. Think of, I mean, think about writing your book about all 16,000 courses here in the States. Oh, it's, it, 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 it's incredible. Yeah, it is incredible that Craig and I have looked at some of those statistics before um, looking at where where would be the next book if we were to do Golfland Florida. And, and that was one of the statistics I think we saw that we, we looked at it and went, wow, that that is amazing you think that there's a lot of courses in scotland and then you go to one part of the us and there are to your point there's three four times the number of courses just in that one area it's incredible yeah when i read your book it made me think about well how many courses are there in georgia and i think the number is 375 in my state which um is phenomenal but I, I'd have to think about the landmass comparison between the state of Georgia and the entire country of Scotland. My guess is that you're slightly larger, but you've got, you know, 75% more courses, but you've got more courses per capita than anywhere on earth. So yeah, I think we do. I think there are, I think there are a couple of outliers, some strange oh. countries like Fiji. Fiji or Iceland or some quite surprising places that actually have more courses per capita. But yeah, I, I always go around saying Scotland's got more courses per capita than anywhere. It's not quite true. But yeah. It could be true. Well, I'll tell you what, the two of you collaborated on an amazing book. You know, it's called Golfland Scotland. And you had the award-winning photographer David Cannon contribute wonderful photog photography. Um, I absolutely love the book. I think it's indispensable for someone that's thinking about going over there and the reason i say that is that it's easy to plan a trip and play the open championship venues or the the next tier of courses that would include doorknock and royal aberdeen and gullen and courses north barrack places like that but for us at Royal Links Golf Tours, we love to get people into those um, third tier courses like Murray behind me or Boat of Garden or um, the others. There's so many wonderful courses in Scotland to experience and you need to get off the beaten path. I think you guys uncovered a lot of wonderful new courses, didn't you, that you'd never heard of? 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. That, that, that's, that's true. It was surprising, you know, going, going through the various lists that we could find. And there aren't really any definitive lists, of courses, right. the way of our definitive lists of clubs. But going through those lists that did exist and investigating around them. Um, yeah, we, we, we discovered lots of interesting tiny courses, little known that, but to be honest, tourists visiting Scotland for the first time should definitely seek out. I mean, of course, the gold standard experience might be Trun, Turnberry, the old course, but actually courses that are slightly less well-known, slightly less celebrated, less expensive, less busy, are going to give you just as much joy. You know, the differences between the top end and something short of that is subtle sometimes. Well, I think, yeah, but I think the other thing that's missing, Craig, when you go to Troon, let's say, you don't get to sit in the members clubhouse and have a beer. They put, at least, at least for me, it seems like they've got this separate clubhouse for the dirty Americans. Right. They don't want mingling or contaminating their membership. But if you walk into Boat of Garden, or Royal Aberdeen for that matter, or Murray or any of those, you sit down with members and you have great conversations and it's, it, you, you realize what you already know. And that is that golf is more about, or just as much about the camaraderie and the people that you meet as it is about how many strokes you take. Yeah. I, I, I think that is, that's, that's so true. It's something that Craig and I have talked about a lot that you know what makes a great golf course can be design it can be signature golf holes it can be water hazards and so on but actually at a personal level what makes a golf course is is really the emotional experience that you have when you when you play and and that's connected to the people you meet the uh, you know the moment in your life that it was happening at the, 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 there's all these intangible elements that make the experience of golf what it is and, and it's not just connected to well it's a really famous golf course it, it, the, the, there's so many different elements to it I mean but Boat of Garten Craig and I were talking about Boat of Garten earlier because you know one of the great things about golf in 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 Scotland particularly in, in the Highlands or as you go further north in Scotland in the summer, is the amazing light that you get in Scotland. In, and, and, and so you can still be playing golf at 10 o'clock at night, half past 10 at night. And then somewhere like Bridge of Garden, you can come in and you can sit on the terrace and you can watch the sun go down over the Cairngorm Mountains and, and sitting, enjoying a drink with, with members, friends you've just met or, or whatever it is. And, 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 and those can be really special moments in, in golf, and they don't have to happen at the most famous golf courses. Yeah, you just raised a, a great point, Mike. That reminds me, I was in one spring, relatively early in spring. It, was, it must have been April. I was playing at Doorknock, and I looked behind me, and there was snow in the mountains. Yeah. Right? So I want you to think about this. So then you play... You play down Doorknock and it's lined with gorse and everything's in bloom, right? So, and everything's green. And then you can play it in summertime where it's burnt to a crisp and everything's brown. The flowering yellow gorse is gone or the, the blooms are gone. The, the thorns are still there and the ball rolls forever. It's, it's a different experience, not every month, but in every season, it could be a different experience. 
um, playing the courses there, which is something I, I love about playing golf in Scotland. Now, here in the States, I, you, you could kind of say this, the club that I belong to here, the springtime, it's muddy, but right now everything's in bloom, so it's beautiful. The summer, it gets, the humidity so bad, you, you need to bring two hats and three pairs of gloves, or three gloves, because you're going to sweat through them. I love the fall here because there's no humidity and there's uh, the leaves are changing color and the courses are lined. All of our courses are lined with trees. So it's beautiful, but it, it's very much um, very different in, in Scotland. And, and as you said, particularly in the North where you've got that amazing light. So I, I've got a, I've got a question for you because I, you guys took on an ambitious task of writing this book. What inspired you to write the book? Well, what a what an interesting question. Well, Craig, it, it, I mean the the idea really came from the idea itself came came from Craig, and I I still remember when Craig uh, called me to talk about it. It was it was at the start of lockdown. It was when you weren't allowed out of your your house for more than an hour or one once a day, and I was sitting outside the front of of our house in Edinburgh, catching up with Craig and. And we've bounced around various golf ideas over the years, from golf newsletters to to, to podcasts to, to to various books. And and Craig said that he'd been he'd, he'd had this on his list of things that he might tackle at some stage to produce this comprehensive guide of Scottish golf courses. And and um, he very kindly said, "Would you be interested in in collaborating on it?" And and, and the first thing that struck me about it was that I, I couldn't believe that it hadn't already been done because it, it seemed to be, in some senses, a very, a very simple, a very um, obvious book on on Scottish golf courses. And and I remember thinking there must be there must be another one of these books, or, or indeed there must be many of these books already already produced. But I, but I went away that evening because Craig said, go, go and have a look. You'll find ones that, that show you the top 100 courses in Scotland or the top 100 golf holes in Scotland. Um, but you, you, you will find it very hard to find any that's been produced in the last uh, couple of decades that is a, is a comprehensive guide uh, to all of them. So, I mean, I, I, so I, I remember finishing that phone call and, and being quite inspired by the challenge of, of proving Craig wrong, that this book must already exist. And right. then and discovering that it didn't and, and, and kicking, it, uh, kicking it off almost um, from that very next day. Uh, so so I, I can't take credit for the idea because it was, it was Craig's idea and, and I, I was very privileged that he considered asking me to collaborate on it. Um, but but the, so, so I don't. It's a good question, Craig. Where what, what was your inspiration for for the? I, I used to I, I used to own various golf gazetteers, um, and I guess they just kind of fallen out of fashion. I used to have one that I carried everywhere. It had a um, <clears throat> tartan cloth cover, and was published by Marks and Spencer's Publishing, Marks and Spencer's department store in Britain. Um, and um, yeah, I just hadn't seen any of them in the longest time. You know, I guess it's like. The Michelin Guide to Restaurants in France, or whatever. Maybe smartphones and technology have um, have driven them out of the marketplace. And I figured, and Mike agreed that we might find we might find a market for um, a nice new one. Interestingly, I think um, 
I think in, in writing it, it would be fair to say, Craig will obviously chip in if he disagrees, but we maybe gained an appreciation as to why there hasn't been a comprehensive guide to golf written over the last two decades, which is, it's quite a monumental challenge. Um, right. And, it, and, it, and it, it, it's, it's very labour intensive. Um, it, it's, um, you know, it, it, it's been a real challenge to do it. So I, I'm not quite sure that anybody else was necessarily mad enough to take on on the challenge of doing it so that's possibly why one hasn't been done for for so long and 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 of course when you when you put it into print the danger is that uh, it's already out of date by the time it it gets published because golf courses of whether whether it's a yardage of golf courses or or, or whatever it might be you know sadly in, in in the time that we wrote the book you know some golf courses in, in fact, closed in, in Scotland over that period of time. So, so go, golf as a sport, golf courses are constantly evolving. So I think the challenge for us will be keeping it, keeping it up to date. Well, before you wrote the book, how many courses did each of you played in Scotland? You certainly hadn't played all of them. No, and we, I mean, we, to, to be honest, we, we, still have, we still haven't played all of them, right? You know, we're, you know, we're, we're we're married guys with kids and jobs and stuff. It's just not. It's just not going to happen. I, I, I was. I was on one thirty before I played it, which is not bad. Which is not bad for an expat Scott who's been out. He's been out of Scotland longer than he's. He's been in it. But I'd, I'd researched previous golf books and whatnot, and I'm often up in Scotland playing. So I was one thirty, and that number has probably increased uh, doing some research with Mike on this. Although not, that number has not increased significantly. I think I'm now <clears throat> one four five. So in writing this book, I revisited a number that I played before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we, we, we reckon probably we, we played, you know, two hundred odd of, 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 of the courses in, in total, and, and, and it, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't over the, the period of time of writing the book. It was very much going back to courses that we played previously. I mean, I mean, we, we were probably both lucky growing up in Scotland. We played a certain number of, of golf courses, um, and then I, I started to play more golf courses in Scotland actually when I was earlier in my career when I was living down in London and, and I met um, my my wife who's a great golfer and she's also a Scot so we before we were married and before we had kids a lot of our holidays were golf-based holidays some, some of those being abroad but a lot of them coming back up to Scotland and and playing you know, staying at places like Glen Eagles and 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 playing the the great golf courses there. So 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 over over the years, it's amazing how many you you accumulate, and 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 then we played a lot more when we were focused on doing this project as well. Well, Craig, I'm impressed. 130. I think I've got 58 in Scotland. I thought that was a lot, but after talking to your friend Alan McPherson, it every our numbers pale in comparison to. Having played literally all of them, right? Right. Mm. Uh, so how long was the book in the making from the time you, well, obviously it was relatively quick because you said you came up with the idea during the pandemic and published it during the pandemic. Now that I think about it. Two years, I think. Yeah. So yeah, start to two years. Mm. What's the most surprising thing you learned in, from writing the book, playing the courses and writing the book? Um, I don't, well, this is a little along the lines of what Mike was saying. The, the difficulty of producing the book was was surprising to me. 
Um, well, I've done lots and lots of writing about golf courses, but when you start writing about them and there are hundreds, you realize that it's quite tricky to write well about courses without resorting to cliche or without getting repetitive, without just simply narrating a few golf holes that people haven't seen and it's hard for them to uh, relate to. Um, avoiding falling into the same old stories that people who've read lots of golf books have spotted before. It was, it, it was quite a task. You know, sometimes it's quite hard to write about golf without crossing that line of becoming an old golf bore. And, you know, to do, to do 500 plus of them was um, surprisingly difficult. Yeah. Yeah. That was the it was, a pleasant, it, was a, it was a pleasant shock. It was fun. You know, we, we, we liked writing and producing a book, but it was, um, it was, uh, we had to be industrious. Well, I've written, I've written for my, for our website, course reviews on probably, I don't know how many I wrote, and most of them were from memory. I mean, memory and, I, you know, if I'd had your book, I would have looked at it to get some ideas of what else to put in there, but yeah, you're right. When you're describing the course to not use the same terms over and over or to find new terms to describe rolling, heaving turf or, you know, towering dunes or what have you. Searching for another word for bunker, all the while knowing that were you to use the Americanism sand trap, you would offend lots of golf aficionados. Anyway, hard. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So after playing these, do you guys have a new favorite course? Uh, no, I'm stuck in my ways. My, oh, my, 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 my favorite is Dornock, Unch unchanged. Yeah, how about you, Mike? And, uh, yeah, I think I think it's um, I think it slightly goes back to our our earlier part around what what makes a favorite golf course for people can be quite a personal thing. Um, and there were, I mean, we, we played loads more golf courses that, that neither of us had, had played before, but I, I find it difficult not to come back to the likes of my home course, Gullen, num Gullen number one, um, which, which is linked into so many summer evenings spent on the golf course. That I, I'm fortunate that it's such a, a stunning one, but you know, summer's evening, standing on the seventh tee on, on number one, you can look back towards Muirfield, you, you, you see the beach and the water, you, you, can, you can look all the way back to, to the Royal Mile and Edinburgh Castle from, from the right. golf course at, at Gullen on occasions. Um, so so I, I, think, I think I probably reverted back to, to existing, existing favourites from undertaking the research. Well, let me ask. Let me ask the question a different way. Were there any courses that were surprisingly better than you expected them to be? You know, where you got, yeah. where you walk off and go, "Wow, that was much better than I expected." Yeah, yeah. Um, we 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 played Nerendum Bar, and uh, typically in Murray, people think about Nairn or Mur Murray, where you are. But actually, you know, in in Nairn itself. Seconds course, the less celebrated course there, Nirendra Dunbar, is is a thing of wonder. It's great and much much improved in recent times as well. Apparently, they've been you know they've been clearing out trees and gorse and opening it up so you can see the land naturally. It was wonderful. Yeah. Likewise, maybe 
uh, North Berwick. Um, everyone thinks of the West Links, but there's the East Links, the Glen, and it's a really it's a really good course. Um, other courses, Macrahanish Dunes. Uh, I mean, I've played Macrahanish Dunes before, but it's been improved a little bit, and it's it's a great course. People often don't talk about it in the same way they talk about the other modern links, like say Kings Barnes or Castle Stewart. Right. Maybe because it's necessarily a little bit rougher, there are environmental restrictions on the way they can build there. But it's it's a truly great course. So maybe maybe some of those. How about you, Mike? Yeah, there's, there's clusters of really nice golf courses that, and um, I, I, I think so, sometimes it was about that we we discovered that golf, well, the, the part of Golfland is about how, as we discussed earlier, a lot of the golf courses are e unknown, but equally as beautiful and, and, and challenging as, as the more famous golf courses. But you go back to the Highland area and um, we, we played Granton on Spey, uh, and there's a, a you know cluster of the the, the Zambi Moor, Boat of Garton, Nethy Bridge, Carbridge, Granton on Spey, these villages and towns in 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 that area, and they've all got um, golf courses. I, I was very familiar with Boat of Garton, having having been a member there for a number of years. Had never played Granton on Spey, it, and it was again a really beautiful James Bray designed golf course, sort of split into sort of three sets of six six holes first six more parkland then sort of into the into the trees for for, for six holes and then some really quirky holes in in, in the final six so i yeah i think it really shows that the the diversity of golf courses in in scotland the, the, there's some lovely nine hole golf courses in that area as well the, yeah. there's carbridge golf course there's uh, the, the golf course at Nethy Bridge, another nine holer, and I, I think probably a lot of people who come across to Scotland tend to play the eighteen hole courses. But there's great nine hole courses as well that yes. you know with different tee boxes to make up uh, the, the the two rounds of, of nine to make up the eighteen can be great fun and 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 have some spectacular holes on them as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I remember playing Anstruther. 25 years ago and thinking this is a really unique nine hole mm. layout. It was, I played that one with my dad. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I so mean, you've got, you, yeah, go you, I was going to say, what, what, what are your sort of top two or three that you come back to in, in Scotland as being your favorite? You, you mentioned Dornock obviously earlier, but what, what, well, I, I think I, I feel like you do about going with Murray. Yeah. I, I, I love, playing my home club i love yeah. the whole experience the people recognize me in the clubhouse the pros know me the i mean it's wonderful but yeah. uh yeah we talked a little bit about st andrews at the beginning that's some place that the old course and i know i know a lot of scots who've never played it and you know, there's debate about whether it's the best even in St. Andrews. But that history of knowing everyone, that every great golfer that's ever lived has played it. That bridge, I've walked over that bridge with my dad, my daughter, my girlfriend, my best friends. You know, there's something about that. But to your question, Mike, I love discovering new courses. 
Yeah. So this year we're playing Cullen. I haven't played Cullen. We're playing Fort Rose and Rose Markey. I haven't played those yeah. two. I, I, I can't wait to, to play those two. I found Fraserboro, Peter, uh, Peter, is it Peter? Peter, Peterhead. Um, I love these lesser known courses. Some of them, you know, Fraserboro, I, I found several holes there that were magnificent, right? I mean, there was a string of three holes. You're like, these could be in the open, yeah. right? I mean, so, mm -hmm. so you guys travel a lot together. Are there any like, interesting or funny or amusing stories you could share about your experiences on or off the golf course? What, what goes on tour stays on tour. Yeah, I was just going to, but you could say, yeah, your children may watch or listen to this. So be careful what you say. Innocent stories. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, um, I think, I think playing golf, throws up lots of uh, entertaining moments, which often come from mishit golf shots or, or, or you, you've been playing your, your fantastic round of golf and then all of a sudden you're, you're invited to play through the group in, in front and you sort of, when, when you're a golfer like I am, you, you, you tend to, to crumble when you're then off the tee and you've got, you've got the audience. But um, I mean, we, 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 had, we had a lot of fun um, playing various of the golf courses uh, I, I had a I had a tragedy comedy um, experience with Craig which was which was at the Renaissance Club where um, where the Scottish Open has been played and and, and is and is coming back to as well um, magnificent course and and we had a fabulous uh, a fantastic uh, caddy there and I'd never had a hole in one until um, we were at the Renaissance, and I can't remember which part three it is on the nine, but Craig, uh, Craig teed off and hit, you know, nice shot solidly to the green, which was sort of up on a bit of a, a, a plateau. So uh, you could tell that it had rested up there to the left of the flag. And I, and I hit a tee shot, I can't remember if it was a, a nine iron or a wedge. And, and as, as soon as I hit it, our caddy said, um, that's that that's in the hole that's in the hole that's that's a that's a fantastic shot right. um and i said oh, so really and he went yeah yeah trust me that's 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 in the hole so um so we picked up we picked up our bags and we're we're, we're walking up to the uh, walking up to the green um and uh I, I i i was saying to craig and i was uh saying to saying to our caddy Oh, I mean, this is, I've never had a hole in one. This is just, this is just extraordinary. This is, this is just such a fantastic moment. And, and I knew that as we got up to that level, that it was all about were there two balls on the green or was there only one? Because if there was only one, it was Craig's and, and, and mine was in the, was in the cup. And, and we got up to the green, there was Craig's ball. Mine, mine wasn't anywhere to be seen. So my enthusiasm was mounting even more. I, I walked up to the cup. And, and there was nothing in it. Um, and, and, and in fact, my ball was probably 20 yards rolled off the green in, in, in the rough. And, and, and a few minutes later, I think I was, I was putting for a bogey four, having, having, thought, having thought that uh, I'd had the hole in one. So I think that's what golf is like. You can go from joy to despair within, right. within a very short period of time. And it was about anything our caddy got wrong. I would have to say that that day he was absolutely he was absolutely fabulous. But 
That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> That's a great story. I thought the way when you were telling the story, I'm thinking he did get a hole in one. And I was going to ask Craig, I'm like, are we to believe that he can't remember what hole it was? I mean, <laughs> exactly. No, that's still, I, I've still, still to, still to achieve that. Yeah. So you guys traveled around Scotland. You're both from Scotland, but did you discover a Scotland that you'd both forgotten or find something new about Scotland that you never knew that that was interesting or surprising to you? Um, I, I don't know about that, but yeah, last, last summer playing lots of golf with Mike, I was reminded of um, the, the joy of those little towns in Scotland that are entirely given over to golf which we don't quite have in England. Maybe there are some examples in the States, if you think of Pinehurst, but you know, courses that are entirely given, uh, towns that are entirely given up to the game where you play out of the town and then you play back in. So St Andrews is the famous example. You play back towards the Spires, but the same can be said of Ely or Troon or North Berwick, Gullen, certainly Dornock, these, these little places where everyone is totally enthralled to the game and that was incredibly charming to me it made me think this is where i need to this is where i need to be living what am i doing yeah. south of the border yeah it, 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 do you know I, I i think scott scotland i mean i you know grew up in scotland uh, now now living here as an adult but there's still parts of scotland that are, are have been undiscovered until relatively recently for for me, I mean, it was October last year. I went for the very first time to to Sky, and um, I played one of the the nine courses on on Sky. But I was I was blown away by Sky. Sky just has the most spectacular scenery. You think the scenery in the Highlands is is pretty impressive, and then you you, you go to Sky, and everywhere you turn, it, it, it's these extraordinary mountain ranges just all 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 around you and 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 and, it, and it's mesmerizing but i i couldn't believe that i'd not been before i couldn't believe that i hadn't experienced that so you know it, often what's your doorstep you don't you don't then go into it um and and so there's still so many parts of scotland to to yeah. discover a good way of discovering it is is playing golf and and playing golf courses yeah, I was on Sky a while ago, well, several years ago, and I agree with you. There were parts, I, I, I was telling my girlfriend, I go, this looks like Hawaii. The mountain ranges look yeah. like volcanic rock that you would see on mountains in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got a wonderful distillery there. I spent, I, I bought my most expensive dinner there. Right. At the Three Chimneys. Which oh, the Three Chimneys. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy yeah. expensive. So yeah. do you guys do you guys have any joint ventures planned? Like what's next? Are you going to write more golf books or are you guys one and done? No, this is, this is, a, this is a, an, an ongoing thing. So we've set up this little publishing company called Ultimo. Um, and it's through Ultimo that we produced Golfland Scotland. And so Golfland blank is certainly coming next and perhaps some perhaps some other titles as well we've got we've got quite a big slate and you know we, we've only just released Golfland Scotland so in the very near future the decisions got to be made about what we undertake next but I guess what I guess what's going to happen is we're going to collaborate with other writers 
at least on certain territories, because, you know, like you were saying before, Florida with almost 2000 courses, you know, that's, that, that's beyond, yeah. uh, that's, that's beyond any man. So, um, we may, we may work with other people, but yeah, we're going to produce other books. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we'll look forward to uh, seeing those. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not exaggerating. I love the golf land Scotland book. I can't wait to share it with the people that travel with us. So, which brings a, me to a question. We, we bring over a lot of people for the first time. What advice do you have for people traveling to play golf in Scotland for the first time? Um, you, probably hear, you probably hear this a lot. Uh, you know, I guess you play golf in North America and most clubs have got practice facilities and you go and you expect to warm up and it's a slightly different game in Scotland. So I would say embrace that, you know, most, yeah. most people who are old enough and wealthy enough to travel over to the home of golf and play the courses there, they're not going to learn anything new, stood on the driving range for 40 minutes before the tee off anyway, have, have a cup of tea, have a putt and, and just, just, just go for it, relax. Yeah. Don't worry about, don't worry about the warm up. And the yeah. small stress, a small yeah. stress in the changing yeah. rooms. Embrace a bacon roll and a coffee. Yes. Bacon rolls are a novelty to us. Okay. How about yes. you, Mike? I, I, I think probably two things. I, I think you touched on it, Jeff, earlier, which was around don't, get, don't just get seduced by playing the most famous golf courses. They, they, will, be, they will be fantastic experiences, but, but try and integrate some of those, those lesser known golf courses you, and, and try and get recommendations on on those because that will definitely enrich the experience that that you have and, and then pro probably a common one is that um pack, pack for whatever time of, even if you're even if you're going in the, the the height of the theoretical scottish summer pack for all forms of weather <laughs> that's well that's Craig, probably... you, you said you must hear this a lot the number one piece of advice people from the british isles give us on the podcast is Buy a good waterproof. Yes. You know, yes. you gotta have a good waterproof suit. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think I remember around a Gullen with my wife where, you know, in, probably around Easter time and we experienced, uh, we had glorious sunshine, we then had rain, we had sleet and we went back to sunshine again. So Scott can, Scotland can deliver a diverse, weather conditions within a single round on a on a single day so but that's part of the that's part of the experience of it again yeah so last question what is on your golf bucket list is there anything left um yeah yeah there, there's there, there's much um uh like mike i've still not had a hole in one um so that so that, that that would be a nice thing to achieve maybe if you're thinking golf travel though what i really fancy is some of the big u.s uh resorts that have kind of come about in recent times that's what i fancy so bands and dunes or yeah. streams or um yeah something like that a week a week settled in somewhere playing some really interesting golf courses yeah. how about you mike I, I, I think, yeah, probably similar. I mean, I, I think there's probably hundreds of things on, on the golf uh, bucket list in, 
in terms of, you know, we focused on, we're talking about Scotland and all the great golf courses of Scotland, but there, in so many other parts of the world, there are just magnificent courses to, to play. So I, I, I think I'd like to explore more courses overseas, whether it, you know, uh, closer closer to home, um, you know, playing Royal Port Rush as an example, or going further afield, Royal Melbourne in Australia. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some extraordinary courses in Canada, uh, Cabot Hills and, right. and, and, and golf courses like that. So um, I, yeah, I, th I think there's a, a, lo a long, a long bucket list probably to, to try and get through, yeah. Well, when you each get your hole in one, I'll be happy to welcome you to the club. I'll give you the secret handshake. Uh, you're showing I off. got lucky three years ago and had my first. It was. Did, did you? Where, where, where was that? Um, it's a club nearby called Canongate, and they've got two 18s. I was on the Rockmore course. I was playing by myself, kind of like you at Gullen, after work on a sunny, you know, summer evening. Mm. Eighth hole like 140 yards, little downhill, nine iron, hit behind the hole, spun back in. And when the ball disappears, you're like, did, did, that, did that just happen? So my friend said, you know, that doesn't count because you weren't playing with anybody to witness it. There was no witness. I said, oh, there was a witness, all right. I witnessed it, right? That's all that, that's all that matters, right? It was the perfect – it was – it was the only, well, it was a perfect offset, you know, where you hit it exactly as you thought you would. I mean, that happens maybe once in a lifetime, maybe a handful of times in a lifetime, if you're lucky that you hit a perfect drive or a perfect shot or, but this was like, anyway, that was fantastic. Moment. Yeah. So guys, I can't tell you how happy I am to have, have had you on the podcast and we're thrilled that you guys could be here. We're wishing you tremendous success with the book. We'll be buying copies and um, we can't, you know, we can't wait to uh, hopefully we'll meet you guys when we're over there. Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That would be great. Thanks for having us on. Really enjoyed it. It's been our pleasure.